welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Now, uh, I think we've both been getting into some, uh, not necessarily brand new Ubisoft games lately. You, uh, you, you talked a little bit about some of the racing games you picked up recently. Yeah, that's right. And I took your recommendation and fired up The Crew, which is actually, <laughs> between last episode and this, it's one of the most... Uh, most continuity we've ever had conversation and conversation on the show. But yeah, it starts out in Detroit, huh? Yeah. So now you, uh, you've been to, I mean, you more than been to, you used to live in Detroit. I used to live in so, Detroit. Yeah. What is, uh, what is that like? I mean, I've driven around Seattle and, and other places that I've been to, but, um, I'm, I'm curious about your first impressions. I, well, it's certainly cleaner, uh, slash more, you know, it's, has that sort of video game sterility that video game cities often do. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not driving through a lot of, you know, the realness of a road, the bumps, the potholes, Mm -hmm. the the stuff that wouldn't make it very pleasurable to drive in, right? Right. So that's kind of missing. But in terms of the layout of the city, I was successfully able to kind of navigate away from the first race before taking it on. Kind of had my bearings in terms of where to go. It wasn't perfect. It's not one for one by any means, but I think they've done an amazing job capturing the feeling of the place, like where my old office was was next to the the baseball stadium and and the geometry there was like uncanny uh in terms of how accurate some of the things were and then also like it's almost like they took every like four or six blocks and kind of smashed hmm. them into a single block that's kind of what i've heard about like grand theft auto 5 and its recreation of uh, los angeles or um la noir as well uh, I got to say Seattle is, um, it, it's kind of okay, depending on what district you're in. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. the area surrounding the like baseball stadium, or what are the field, I guess it is. And, uh, the, um, the docks, like that looks like pretty spot on. Once you start getting into downtown, there are aspects where it's like, okay, I know this corner, I know, you know, this is where the monorail kind of intersects with this, you know, multi five-way intersection. This is supposed to represent this and that, but like, it's really hard to navigate just based on kind of your knowledge of the city. I wonder if Detroit is more modeled out because that's like the opening city. That's where they know everyone is going to spend, you know, at least some time. So they, they spend a lot of time getting that one right. Um, One of my favorite details about uh, Seattle is that um, Space Needle looks great. The little kind of like parking circle in front of it um, for like drop-offs and, and ride shares and stuff like that look really good. Uh, but next to, like just outside the Space Needle, Space Needle is a part of what is in real life called the Seattle Center, which is just kind of like a big area with like a giant uh, food court. Um, it's a big building with a um, kind of the main floors of food court. There's like a children's museum underneath. There's I think like city offices and stuff up above and, wow. and then just big like outdoor area. There's like a ice rink. There's a big fountain that, you know, kids can play in. There's the, uh, uh, Mopop. It used to be the EMP, the experience music project, uh, kind of a very artsy, um, museum of pop culture, uh, all these, uh, kind of attractions all in that one spot. It's very like you know, good concentrated place for tourists. Yeah. Um, and you know, a nice place to hang out for locals as well from time to time. But, um, in, in the crew, the way they depict that is they just have what looks like a fairly untextured, 
like rectangular box with just like Seattle center written in like plain font across the side of it. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, I <laughs> this will is bet really any, papering over a lot of the details. I will bet any amount of money. It's because that font is like Futura or something. And to <laughs> accurately reproduce it, then they would have to pay a licensing fee. Yeah. The whole, uh, it's not the font. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, the whole thing has that sort of effect of I do think the landmark ish or the it's like they looked at a map and they took the most notable areas and they recreated them with, yeah. you know, let's call it 80 to 85 percent accuracy, which is very high as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is kind of like the they're just trying to nail the skyline of what the thing looks like and not quite the on the ground details. But either way, I'm excited. I'm excited to go check out New York and Boston. And I wonder if I can go down to Coney Island and see that whole thing. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty cool game. I I really like, and one of the ideas that we pitched, uh, I feel like it was fairly early on in the series, but it might've been in a playwright, of course, um, was kind of like a one-to-one scale United States procedurally generated racing game, which pulls in information from like Google Maps or whatever publicly in, um, available information and kind of populates the um, the map from there, which I still think is a distinct possibility. But um, uh, it makes me really excited for uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator because yeah. they incorporate being maps information to actually get like to kind of fulfill that dream, you know, of getting like what every little, you know, square mile of the world actually looks like. And of course they spend like some more time really touching it up um, in the places that they know a lot of people are going to be flying to and flying over, but you should be able to at least see like an approximation of what seems like pretty much anywhere in the world. So I'm uh, really curious to give it a shot and see how accurate it is and Maybe this will be the time when I can find my old house. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that, and I, I know we want to get to the pitches, but my one of the first things I downloaded when I got the Oculus Rift was uh, Google Earth. Mm. And there was something about being able to zoom in and and be in places that I hadn't been for years, visit old neighborhoods or see my old school. and you know, even just go to old apartment buildings and stuff that I've lived in, you know, you get for me, because I've kind of lived in a bunch of places at this point, And I, I have nostalgia now for different parts of the, the map, I guess, from different parts of the globe. And mm-hmm. I went back and I saw those things and there was just some culmination of being able to zoom all the way in and, and have that insane perspective. And also they have this wonderful music and just a, a killer presentation on Google Earth that I was really, uh, I got emotional. I was very moved by just what technology is able to do. Um, so I love that kind of thing. And I'm sorry that I haven't uh, tried the cruise sooner. One of the things about, I mean, Google Earth is cool using the desktop version where you can kind of like zoom in from above and see where everything kind of sits contextually to one another. You get that bird's eye view. Um, using the VR version is cool because everything kind of feels like little doll houses that, you know, you can't get like close enough to where you feel like you're walking the streets necessarily, but you can get close enough to where you can kind of like bend over and peek in the windows. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's that uh, Google street view, which allows you to kind of like zoom from photograph to photograph from 360 photograph. And so you can kind of get a sense of like, uh, of what each intersection looks like. 
but um, I'm, it must be right around the corner where we can turn that experience into something that more kind of more closely emulates free movement, you know, yeah. like to be able to kind of map the Google street view photographs onto like a, uh, some sort of like a, uh, I don't know, a format that, that feels like you're walking around in a video game. You know, like I want to, I, I oftentimes like load up Google street view just because I'm like, I want to feel like a virtual tourist for a little bit, but then get really turned off by the experience because I'm just like, ah, it's like looking at pictures and right. you really feel like you're dedicating yourself. When you click over to the next spot, there's that whole kind of like loading zoom transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to kind of reorient yourself and it just doesn't feel as, as clean and as, as accessible as it could. If you ever get a chance, go to and check out, check out some video demos of Apple Maps and one of the, one of the very, they introduced it just a year or so ago. And of course, it's one of these things that's, you know, like in very, very selective places. But when they have their 3D kind of zoom in street view thing. They actually do a full geometry, like built out transitions. Um, so you feel like you're kind of hovering at about car height. Okay. And it's, it's really wild. Cool. Well, eventually I would love a video game where you can just kind of like, you know, pilot a little character around anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, even if you can't interact and even if there's some, you know, obvious and noticeable jank. I feel like it's something that, you know, we'll be able to accomplish. It feels like it's just technologically right around the corner. But um, anyways, until then, I mean, that almost is a video game pitch. But <laughs> let's, uh, let's go with what we have prepared today. What are you bringing in? Okay, so today I've got a pitch for you that is essentially, I was thinking about the, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And then I was also thinking about something collecting dust in my closet, which is... The Guitar Hero, well, in my case, rock band, uh, Guitars. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to do a sort of musical adventure game where you can actually use the guitar as a controller and move around the world? <laughs> it was like maybe even strumming up and down as your footsteps, uh, the same way that you kind of got going with a little ring fit uh, jog in place to actually jog in the game. You use the buttons to navigate around, and then you kind of go through a Zelda-like adventure, defeat different dungeons, or potentially just uh, collect a certain amount of uh, enemy defeats or something, and that unlocks notes in a song or a score. Um, and then these songs become things that you can play back using the guitar uh, for people to either help them solve their problems or... Uh, complete quests or maybe even in combat all right starting the clock there this is interesting i feel like um gosh i don't remember if this is real or something that i'm completely making up but uh when brutal legend was being developed were there features where you could well i don't think it made it into the final game but i seem to remember there being like some interview talking about like very minor features that you could unlock by plugging in the guitar and actually kind of like playing along. There are certain Whoa. like small, like little tiny rhythm game segments in there that I don't know if they would map one-to-one -one with what, you know, Guitar Hero fans were used to. It's more kind of like four notes, almost like a Ocarina of Time, kind of like a Ocarina song to summon your 
vehicle or to to warp to different parts of the world or whatever but um yeah i i would love to incorporate any like this type of controller into a game where it feels like you know playing different chords a different combination of notes would have some sort of like a like a attack or an elemental effect on the world that was exactly where my mind started to go, right? Which is, um, as I thought about sort of Zelda and the experience of kind of, he, you know, the, the core of that game is learning the songs and then, you know, kind of employing them as you, you try and solve these issues. And I couldn't help but have that saying, well, I, I think it would be cool, and I think we all thought it would be cool, um, how the direct control felt of the ocarina could you reproduce something like that only being able to leverage the the guitar which is obviously a more sort of naturalistic interface i think the big problem becomes actually like doing everything else in the game i think it's easy to build right. like fun and interesting mini games uh, that utilize the guitar but when it comes to like actually navigating around especially a 3d world like doing 2D is possible, but would be difficult. Moving it into 3D and having to factor in camera control. The Rock Band guitars, I don't know about Guitar Hero, but Rock Band guitars all have a little D-pad on them, which you can use for navigating menus and stuff like that. And so yeah. theoretically you could use that to navigate like a top-down world or something like that, but it's uh, it's not going to be pretty. That's exactly what <laughs> I was thinking too. I was like, oh, well, we do have access to a D-pad, but yeah, the, the best I could figure is like hold down, like you can, you're always kind of moving forward as you strum. And so you kind of get like a Resident Evil 2-ish tank controly kind of thing where you're, you're able to kind of turn left and right with two of the buttons when you're not in combat and, and then kind of strum to, uh, ensure that you're actually moving in that direction. But uh, holding one down while you're still would be kind of how you turn around. So unless I guess you could create settings and stuff to make that feel fast and responsive, but otherwise, yeah, like you said, it, it, it would probably be, you know, a, a hurdle to be, be sure. There's also the overdrive or the star power, depending on which game you're playing, which you activate by tilting your guitar upwards. So it can track the angle of the guitar knows to some degree but i don't know if that's like if it's like a binary switch that's flipped at some point or if it i doubt that it's tracking you know the entire angular journey of the the neck as it's tilted up oh yeah i've heard the star power thing or the you know makes you wonder what you could do control wise with the whammy bar as well oh yeah there there is some there's <laughs> some turning to be had with the whammy bar i think so you could do something that's really on rails um, something like a, uh, like a time crisis or something like that, or a house of the dead. Maybe you can incorporate a little bit more kind of freedom of movement and control, but something that more or less stays within the, or, uh, something like a res or a star citizen where, um, it's just kind of like aiming around the screen and then performing different like chords to fire weapons and different quadrants or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I mean, I think then you could almost treat imagine this is kind of a whole different direction imagine a house of the dead like um, one of those on rails arcade shooters where you actually could go like backwards through the land so maybe the guitar in this scenario like you hold down a button when 
you're not like potentially you have to like throw it up to to go into attack mode or something but otherwise you're kind of in navigation mode and you can kind of rewind through previous vignettes so that you're talking to the appropriate person or have access to the right npc or dungeon or enemy but songs that you learn and the tunes that you learn are they stay with you right so you go forward in the game and then you you learn a new lick let's call it and then uh you're like oh it's almost a metroidvania where you can kind of rewind and then there's parts where the path kind of splits left and right and you can go back and go down the other path um and then use your sort of lick that is a new power to execute and and defeat a new, you know, area of the game. Yeah, I do like that. It's very, it's it's a little heady, I think, at this point still, but I, I hope, hopefully it's a good word picture. Thinking about like the concept of the game, you know, what can we do to kind of contextualize all of this? You can have the character play as like a, a bard on like a fantasy quest, maybe even acting as kind of like a support class to a group of more traditional wizards and warriors, which would help kind of explain like why you don't have completely free movement. You're just kind of following your group around. And then obviously, you know, they're not going to let the bard be the one who's determining the uh, direction of the entire group. That would be cool. And then that case, you could say what battle more looks like is you're watching a battle play out and you need to properly buff your group or debuff the enemies with different sorts of songs and and licks that you're learning and then you can it almost becomes the guitar hero or the rock band in that case where you're watching something very concretely go down and you're saying okay this is how i need to respond to this situation they need this song at this moment so there could be songs of healing songs of area of attack songs that correspond with different elements, um, things you can do to affect the environment to aid in traversal and treasure finding. Um, it would be, uh, interesting if you could, I mean, you could slow down time, kind of like Majora's mask. Wonder if there are ways you can kind of communicate with your compatriots or not really subvert what they want to do, but if they're kind of, you know, if their default mindset is like, we're going to press ahead no matter what, and you think there's a little bit more to explore here, if you could, trigger something in the environment or whatever to cause them to spend more time in an area where you're pretty sure treasure is buried or whatever. Yeah, that's neat. And you could also, you know, you can use that sort of rhythm game mechanic to be able to understand and detect kind of failure states, right? So you have measures of, oh, you didn't hit the note, you didn't complete the tune, and therefore, um, you know, you didn't give your team x ability or x buff or whatever have you yeah you can have that kind of those notes on screen that you can play along with maybe at some point kind of late in the game you get your your music book stolen from you and you have to kind of like go from memory for a little bit until you get it back i would like if it almost is like an alchemical type of thing where you can experiment with different tunes and if you get them a little bit off like maybe they'll have kind of a adjacent effect without going exactly with what you're uh, looking for yeah i like that because like ocarina of time unless it was like specific to a moment in the game where they really didn't want you to fail or they were teaching you the song they didn't show you the notes of the song right Mm. they gave you a little reference book that you could look at but in the moment um unless you wanted to keep pausing and referring back you kind of had to know your way around those tunes and so 
I think something that would encourage, give you a little, you know, musical book that's simplified with the colors and the buttons and that sort of thing. I think it would be really cool to, you know, demand that somebody actually, you know, learn it. Let's, let's close that one down and let's give it a name. When you introduce this as a kind of an Ocarina of Time spinoff, um, or not a spinoff, but a, you know, kind of a takeoff from that idea. I, Are you about to say what I think you're going to say? I think so. It was a thought that I had a long time ago of like, I want to create a, like a rock opera of this game <laughs> and call it the rock arena of time. Which <laughs> yeah. I I think would be a, a fun, fun name for a rock opera. Yes, it's very fun, and that's exactly where my brain went. So <laughs> there's a 100%. Our, our Venn diagram is a complete circle. Good. <laughs> Should we uh, co-op this for this for this game? It would be kind of weird to release a game with a name so similar to another game, but it's just an idea at this point. Nintendo's not going to stop us. The Rock Arena of Time. At least we've we've put it out there in the universe, and we, we also invite <laughs> anybody listening to uh, make something great with everything we we pitch on this show so maybe it'll be us maybe it'll be them but that we may have just willed the rock arena of time into existence i remember when i thought of that um i was so kind of proud of the idea that i made this post on facebook where i didn't want to spell it out but i (laughs) wrote a message that used like the legend of zelda rock arena of time as like the first letter of every word so that way it's almost kind of like mailing yourself something as like the poor man's copyright uh, where I could, you know, nobody's going to pick it up at the time, but I can go back later and say like, hey, yeah, that's right. I had this idea way back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's on audio now, baby. That's right. So now, yeah, less less sneaky, but um, it's out there. I don't know. I doubt I'm going to be writing any rock operas anytime soon. I support I support you. You can claim it as your own. Let's, uh, let's go over to my pitch. And it is it is surprisingly similar to what you pitched today (laughs) i'm uh interested in a game that is controlled via accordion perhaps using real accordions in the style of uh of um what is it rocksmith rocksmith uh the uh ubisoft game that taught you how to play guitar by plugging your real guitar into the computer or the ps4 um, this could be, I was trying to think of like some sort of mechanics and movement and some sort of like a fun way to control a character using the, uh, the little squeeze box. So let's, uh, go ahead and put that one out there and start the clock. Now, I don't remember if I've revealed this on this show, but you do or do not know I was once a member of the Lowell Accordion Orchestra. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not actually play accordion in it. I played uh, keyboard. Um, or piano, but I was surrounded by accordion players and our music school's speciality was uh, accordion. Yeah, I guess my first question is in the opening salvo, because do we know our way around an accordion? And if so, were you thinking kind of the old traditional Italian, or I think it might be French button accordion, or the Italian piano on the right buttons on the left accordion? That's what I was thinking. And I mean, that's kind of what I picture when uh, like the whole kind of like, yeah. you know, the, the full size Weird Al Yankovic accordion, you know? Yeah. All right. Good. So what, one of the things I, I, I always found interesting about the accordion was the playing, playing the accordion is really about air management, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get, you have, it's a sort of breathing instrument. It breathes in and out. A lot of what accordion players are learning is how to make the admittedly sometimes that that breath has to take place in the middle of a series of notes depending on uh how loudly you're playing. So I'm wondering how 
like how we could teach the the breathing or make the accordion breathing a mechanic that someone's managing. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, there's kind of the main mode in Rocksmith is to basically play, you know, along with real licensed songs. And there's this whole note track that it kind of walks you through it just like a regular guitar hero or whatever. But um, part of what the software does is that includes like several mini games as well. I remember there being one in which you are kind of like shooting ducks from the top of the screen and based on which note you hit on the neck of the guitar, it fires like a laser from that area in the screen. So little like arcade games that you can play uh, to get you more comfortable with like moving your fingers around the guitar neck and, and all these different things. So I was thinking of like a fun way to not necessarily make you play music, but to just get you comfortable with like holding and controlling the instrument. I was thinking of like, there was a game, oh gosh, Oh, it's just a recent game. I'm going to see if it's still on the Steam new releases. It might not be. It might just be like a little bit too old for that. Um, shoot, it's not. Well, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it's kind of like a uh, um, kind of like a stretchy type of character with like two big long legs that it can kind of use to maneuver around. And I'm seeing like something like that, but in like a side-on setting where you can you can kind of extend the accordion to extend, you know, your leg one way or the other. And then, uh, you can adjust its height, um, with the, with the keys at you're playing a higher note makes the leg kind of go up higher. So you can kind of like climb around a mountain or climb over obstacles or whatever by basically playing different notes on the accordion to, uh, maneuver this little creature around. Yeah, that's interesting. And I and I know that accordions have uh or some of them have these little switches that are right above the keyboard that actually change uh the reeds or the sort of timbre of the notes being played. So I wonder if you if you make something so that there's like sort of three movement modes or uh in the same way that you can kind of switch fighting stances in Yakuza. If you kind of use these reads and the in the the notes that would be played out of them as a, a way to jump between those things. Yeah. So um what do the so I understand like the keyboard side of the accordion. The other side, I'm not as familiar with what effect that has on the sound. Do you know? Yeah, so you can almost think of uh the other side of the accordion like uh programmable macro buttons. But they are are uh uh, increasing octaves of the circle of fifths for every available sharp and flat huh. on on the keys. At least I I think I'm remembering that correctly. So accordion players, please uh, <laughs> correct me. But uh, yeah, when you play them, they're playing like a series of notes. So a C major chord, for example, will be one of those you know X amount of buttons on the right hand side, uh, or sorry left-hand side. I guess it depends on what handed you are. Um, mm. and maybe an accordion can be strapped either way. But uh, yeah, I, ideally the left-hand side plays or the left hand plays those buttons. And that's what kind of, if you were going to do the melody on the right, very plucky notes, uh, that sort of thing, then on the left is where you'd have more of your dancing bass lines of boom, bump, boom, bump, boom, bump, boom, bump, 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 sort of okay. stuff happening. So maybe we, there's some mechanic where you're, you're having to keep pace or something with the buttons on the left-hand side. But now, now we're into like as 
as many or actually more buttons that are on a, a uh, computer keyboard. So we're in for a real treat. Yeah. But the way that Rocksmith controls is that it kind of like listens for the note that you're playing. So oh. you know, if your guitar is out of tune or whatever, then, you know, it's not really like it's unable to track like where on the guitar neck you're actually pressing because it just doesn't have that technology. This is a USB cable essentially that plugs into your guitar. Um, so it kind of has to infer like what buttons are being pressed. So that might be a limiting factor, but I have a feeling with something like an accordion. Do you have to tune an accordion? Do accordions go out of tune? Accordions do go out of tune because they're, they're using reeds that are held on by a wax that they're like a real accordions are all assembled by hand, but there is, and you can look it up, the Roland V accordion, which is the Roland, the keyboard company has made uh, essentially an electronic accordion that uh, everything is just coming out of a speaker and it's really just simulating the passing of air with just noise. So you might be able to, right? Because how many people are going to go spend uh, $500 to get a real <laughs> accordion a 500 to, you know, um, upwards of, you know, $5,000, depending on what accordion you want. So it could be possible to construct if you don't build in the speaker and all the sort of modes and technology, an accordion that is much closer to the guitar hero or rocksmith guitar in terms of how expensive it would be, right? Maybe you can do a $100 accordion add-on that is mostly a MIDI controller for the game and then actually just send MIDI inputs. It won't go out of tune. It, it won't break, that sort of stuff. I think the uh, the real interesting promise in these types of music games is being able to take your knowledge that you gain in the game and apply it to actually being able to yeah. play the instrument. But I know that the number of people that just have accordions sitting around the house is considerably less than the people who have guitars. <laughs> well, this is what we'll do. We'll make a companion app. If we if we make it a MIDI controller, we'll do a companion app. <laughs> uh, and the companion app will be in charge of all the sound samples and all that stuff. And you can still use it as a MIDI controller because that's kind of what the, the V accordion really is. It's a, It's an elaborate MIDI controller with a speaker built in. I like the idea of being able to use the accordion for for different stuff. I I I would almost want the setting or something to be in all these like great French bistros and Italian restaurants and uh, you know and I guess Weird Al Yankovic concerts. All of the spots that accordions appear in our life. A nice German uh, Oktoberfest would be a great place yeah. for the accordion too. Yeah, accordions are the things that both the the German and the French can agree on. Finally, <laughs> there's something. Oh, we could have united the world with the accordion, couldn't we? The accordion could have prevented World War II. <laughs> um, so it, so it's rocksmith for accordions. What I I wonder, like, so there's also right. I think you can train someone, especially if this is a MIDI controller, can produce a lot of different sounds. This rocksmith could potentially also be, now you have access to a keyboard, right? So you, it could be a, a little keyboard simulator. I've always wanted like rocksmith for for piano. I don't know if that exists. Maybe rocksmith does it mm. having that. And then also I, I did play in an ensemble once the bass accordion, which is like accordion for babies <laughs> because it is only the right hand or it's really accordion for piano players. It's just looking at the piano sideways and the left hand is simply uh, just a big controller for the air. 
So to release and very quickly suck in air because the big bass accordion needs to whomp, whomp, and it takes these very breathy notes to play. So you could train somebody on, if you build in one of these air release valves, a bass accordion as well, which would be fun. And then they can play little concerts. Let's do a Twitch Sings version of this <laughs> where they can play little concerts with uh, an accordion ensemble and really feel like they're part of it. All right. That's all the time we have there. Let's wrap it up and give it a name. And this is uh, the opposite of rock, isn't it? Is this polka smith? It's better than uh, accordion to gym or <laughs> see be polka. What dots. a topical reference. <laughs> just about 13 years past my prime. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, polka, polka smith, polka face, polka. Polka face is pretty good, which is a weird owl track, yeah. That is true, yeah. Polka stars VR. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Let's make you strap an accordion and a headset to yourself. I like Pokestars <laughs> VR. That's funny. Okay. I think it's a it's a good takeoff on an existing game. So um, We can also build a uh, a $5,000 bundle that includes a real accordion and a VR headset. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, Pokestars VR. Let's move over to our community. We have a, uh, a new name. Um, this comes from Lunar Looney who says, I don't have a good title for this, but here's my plan. Pinball Dating Sim. There's a selection of characters of various genders, and each of them has a favorite pinball table. To win their affections, you have to play a game against them. A lot of the time, beating their high scores will impress them, but depending on their personality, you might have to, you might have to let them keep their top spot. Completing goals within the table will also impress them, and each character has a particular goal that they'll be really turned on by. Finding out what that is is part of the game. Hope this one generates some discussion because it sounds a bit more basic at the minute. Thanks. Awesome. Starting the clock. I'm hard-pressed to keep this just a straight dating sim because there is something about getting a ball in a hole that is very erotic (laughs) on a pinball table. And I think depending on... uh, I like the idea of um, taking those sort of... That classic pinball score screen that does a lot of flashing and refreshing and stuff and and use that to display like the you know essentially two color uh partner who you're trying to woo or romance or in the case of the sims woo who potentially you know i've mentioned it on the show before but uh i i felt bad it was a long time ago now but um you know that we keep referencing like dating the Sims on this game. And really like, I don't have that much of a base of operations for what makes for a good dating Sim or I feel like I had a very kind of narrow view of what dating Sims were. And so I did a lot of like research into like, you know, what, what are people doing in that in that genre? And one of the game names that kept coming up, I don't know if I can give it a straight recommendation because as I understand, there is a quite a bit of a, of naughty stuff in there. So, you know, <laughs> if, if that's what you're into, great. If not, like, you know, this isn't me telling you to go out and do your own homework as well. <laughs> but, um, uh, a game called, uh, honey pop, I think it was, um, it's, uh, been in humble bundles and stuff before. So people might have a copy, but essentially like a standard dating sim, but on dates, I, I believe you're playing like a bejeweled style match three game as a way of kind of like kind of simulating the like the demands of keeping another person entertained you know so 
you're kind of doing these like these uh, kind of brain involved tasks uh, while you're uh, while you're on the dates. And, you know, there's like meters that are not timing you necessarily, but kind of cooling down and you have to, you know, do multiple combos in a row to keep people interested and to keep the, the energy of the date alive and match certain colors, which have different effects. And so, you know, I, I think that that type of thing, that type of um, really nice kind of metaphor through mechanics can really shine in a pinball table in which, you know, it might feel a little bit uncontrollable, uh, but there are like, if you're a, not a pro, but a, uh, a, at least a pinball uh, wizard in training, a pinball Harry Potter, then uh, there's quite a bit that you can do with those tables and hitting the ball into different areas and uh, triggering different, almost kind of like narrative segments to unfold. Um, so, you know, that, I, I think that maps onto dating and relationships and stuff really well. Yeah, I, I definitely, where my mind starts to go when I think about like what, what's cool about this is, is actually Yoku's Island Express. Yeah. The way that there was, you know, there was a Metroidvania in there, but then there was also this very kind of cool, legit pinball game. I, since I'm a bad pinball player, at least I think I am, I'm not sure. I don't know what good pinball play looks like. <laughs> um, often find myself when I approach a pinball table, because I don't really understand the the game. I guess every every table is sort of different mechanics. Like what doing well feels like other than like, oh, I got the ball to go up this narrow path a couple times. That must be good. It's making noises and I see score going up. So maybe potentially you build in a, a little bit more of a traditional, maybe an adventure game around it, right? And you do kind of a night in the woods style thing where you're uh, going on dates with people and, uh, you know, as you start to get into the conversation phase or whatever, you guys start talking about things. And that is like playing a pinball table that's kind of morphing before you or something like that. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that pinball tables do well is they kind of guide players and tutorialize as they go. Usually you kind of, um, you stumble upon the beginnings of like strings of missions, you know, you could say, uh, by just kind of like hitting the ball in the right place. But once, once it ends up going the right, uh, ends up going up the right ramp or you hit, you know, one of, you know, a number of targets, the others will light up or something on the table will open up or move. And something will change to become apparent that like you've just in what you just did, you've opened up an avenue for further exploration. So I feel like, I mean, that's oftentimes the way that dating feels as well, you know, where you sit down with somebody that you don't really know. You're basically kind of like firing in the dark until you find like a conversational thread that they're really interested in. <laughs> and so you might throw a couple of topics out there. And then right. when you get on to like, oh, okay, obviously, you know, uh, talking about work didn't really do anything. Talking about, you know, the government didn't really do anything. But, you know, now that we're on the subject of like, Eastern religions or whatever, then all of a sudden, you know, she, uh, she's really lighting up and, you, you know, it's like you kind of find those areas where there's, um, there's interest where you might not have expected it. Yeah. I, I I'm going to have to look it up on the Nintendo eShop and, and, and actually play a bit of a pinball game myself because I, I know they have those virtual pinball games that I guess are 
probably a ton of licensing work, but one of the things I've always wanted out of uh, a digital, and let's assume this is a video game and not a, um, a physical pinball game, um, one of the things I've always wanted out of digital pinball games that I don't feel like I recall seeing, and you know, correct me if, if I'm not here, but the way that in a in some fighting games, especially NetherRealm fighting games, you have this sort of stage transitions of someone being able to be knocked into an entirely different stage, or I think the Injustice games do this, uh, an entirely different experience. Like, I think digital pinball games should play with the medium a little bit more. And like you're saying, as you get onto a topic, maybe that's you just happen to, you're in the first phase of the conversation, you get the ball down this sort of narrow alleyway that you've been targeting, and now you transition all the way into a whole new stage. And you're like, okay. And it's a metaphor for like, we're in politics territory now. Like, there's landmines all over the place. You don't want to say the wrong thing, <laughs> but you want to uh, potentially suss out whether or not this person uh, shares your ideals or maybe has very different uh, uh, feelings about politics than you. And doing so, depending on the subject matter, really evolves. And so you get that kind of the relationship, the conversation, the date, uh, as we all know, like a first date with somebody can be excruciating as you're like potentially figuring out you're kind of both doing an impression of who you uh, want the other person to think <laughs> that you are. Um, and so some metaphor for that with this pinball would be really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, not to contradict, but I feel like one of the um, kind of core tenets of pinball video games, I, I guess I can't really paint with this broad of a brush because, you know, there are pinball games that do kind of revel in these uh, more unrealistic aspects like... Uh, oh, it's the physics. Is that what you're saying? Well, I was going to say that like there's a certain pride in keeping it contained to what you could realistically do in a real pinball table. Right. You know, so obviously the like Zen pinball and the ones that are either recreating real tables or creating, you know, games that could be turned into real pinball tables or even stuff like a uh, Pokemon pinball and Metroid prime pinball, while they have a little bit of like kind of extra elements, like they more or less kind of adhere to the basic shape and structure of a pinball table that you can kind of imagine being transformed into a game that adheres by those rules. It's almost easier to paint outside the lines that it feels like there's a certain like discipline that comes with um, painting inside the lines, so to speak, doing what would be like mechanically viable. Um, there's right. another game that came out recently called uh, like Wiz, uh, maybe it was Pinball Wizard, Pit Wizball or something like that. It's a game on the Apple Arcade where you play as like a wizard who's entering like a tower and every floor of the tower was like basically a miniature pinball table in a way. There was little like objectives and the wizard was kind of a bulbous fellow himself and he would of run about these levels and you would hit him back with the paddle and if he ran into enemies then he would either like attack them or be hurt by them based on whether or not they were in their like you know hurting condition and he would be able to break like barriers and stuff and you don't want him to you know drop below the drop below the bumpers and and hurt himself by falling down the stairs and it was just like a fun way of like incorporating pinball rules into otherwise like a kind of an action rpg yeah i think that's <sighs> That's interesting. I mean, trying to work within, it almost makes you wonder if like you could do a dating sim that you're, <laughs> for whatever reason, you're a, a person who is hopelessly taking all their dates to this pinball arcade. 
<laughs> and you're actually going around and playing different pinball games together and you're trying to um, potentially find a game that uh, the person you're on a date with will like um, and be able to have conversations and bond over that sort of thing. I know that that's probably why my brain like went to Yoku's uh, and, and one of the reasons why I enjoy Yoku's Island Express is because the you're actually controlling, you know, the little ant Yoku that he ha himself has movement and momentum. So you can almost a little bit uh, control the ball in a way that you couldn't in mm -hmm. midair on a pinball table. But yeah, we could, we could keep it hardcore and, and actually make it like, like pin the, all these pinball games where they're simulating the tables, they don't really go through the trouble of wrapping a story around them. And I think telling the story of, of, you know, a dating sim or relationships would be really fun. Anyways, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface, but we have run out of time on that one. So let's let's give it a name and let's throw it back to the community. If people have interesting angles to add, then uh, you can comment on any of our episodes and continue to build. What if we called it Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics? <laughs> uh, that's good SEO. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. um, That'll get us a lot of hits. Um, it's hard not to pop, put pinball in this, but... I mean, we probably should somewhere. Well, if if you are somebody, man or woman, going on a lot of dates with men or women, then potentially you're just a pinballer. <laughs> pinballer is uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I like that. We can uh, we can we can work with that. That's good. Pinballer that comes in from Lunar Looney. Thank you for writing into our pitch page which anyone can use to submit their own video game ideas at playwrightcast.com slash pitch. Or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com or um, you can tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Proto Doom for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. Go check out the other great shows on that Kane Enrance video game discussion website. I'm going to plug the website specifically, not the network this time. Uh, so go to kaneenrance.com, listen to Sound of Play, listen to Kane Enrance, listen to The Sausage Factory. Very cool. Um, anyways, to take us out of the show today, I'm not remembering, are you... I think I might owe you a redacted game. Okay, I think I think that sounds right. Okay, redacted memo game. Um, here we go. <clears throat> you get three guesses. Okay. Redacted is a puzzle platformer. Oh gosh, I feel like that really gives a lot away. <laughs> Drawn in a painterly style where the player manipulates the redacted in strange and unusual ways. From a house in the city, journey to a series of worlds and solve puzzles to rescue a redacted. In each world, you have a different redacted to affect the way redacted behaves. And it is redacted's strangeness that creates the puzzles. All right. I feel like this one has to be Braid, right? Oh, my God. It was too easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was too easy. There was a lot of details in there. I should have picked something a little harder, huh? That's all right. It's a good one. Good game. People should get out there and play Braid if they haven't already. I was, you know, I was just uh, thinking recently... It's like not as easy to get your hands on Fez as it should be. I think it's like one that's not backwards compatible on Xbox One or that like there's oh. some like a couple of areas where I was like very notably missing. You were like, certainly it'll be here and then it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And, and I, it's funny because looking back at um, that 
big class, right, of uh, indie games. The indie game, the movie class of indie games. Yeah. I think we, uh, you know, a lot of us, I think I'm on this list, would gladly play a nice, you know, 4K, 60 FPS um, remaster some of this stuff. I wonder if even, you know, them being independent, if they even made the assets like that. Or, yeah. But, uh, yeah, please, I, give me a crisp polished looking braid i'm 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 for it even if we have to use some ai scaling or something yeah i mean i know that the uh sprite sheets were published on that one so i assume there is like kind of a maximum resolution that that could blow up to without losing quality but um yeah i mean uh technology's out there let's let's get that polished up <laughs> fair enough i'm sure it still looks great on pc it's got anyways it. that's our show for today thank you for listening again and we'll catch you again next week bye Thank you.